You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. Well, good morning, and I would just like to also say once again, Happy Mother's Day. We're glad you're here. Uh, Thank you for hanging in there with us. We've had a lot of moving parts today. We tried to spread it out over the weeks, and when Matt and I were talking, and Cleef and uh, other people, we were planning this out. We're like, actually, it all kind of has to fall in today, just for timing and schedules and and everything. So we didn't want to leave anybody out, and we wanted to make sure that this happened. So uh, today, we hope to glorify God by honoring his creation, especially in moms and in women. And uh, so we want to highlight that today. And, and we're going to highlight that by looking at a character in the Bible who made simple choices throughout her life. And by simple, I don't mean easy, but simple choices in that she did the next right thing. It wasn't like she got up and evangelized 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost. It's not like she got up and... and uh, she discipled 200 other ladies who then went on. and It wasn't anything like that. She did the next right thing in her life, in her time, in her context. And God greatly magnified that and blessed her in that. And it was of huge significance. And so I want to encourage all of us that today, especially moms, but all of us. Uh, guys, we don't get to check out today. Uh, this, this is for us as well. And so... Um, We will be looking in the book of Ruth, if you want to go ahead and try to find that in your Bibles. It is in the Old Testament. Um, There's a handy-dandy thing in the front of your Bible, if you have one, that tells you the page number, if you need help finding it. Um, If you're upstairs in Power Lab, you should know right where it is, right kiddos? Uh, If you're still in here with us. So um, while you're turning there, um, I would like to just lay some groundwork with you of what scriptures about what God says about women and mothers in particular, okay? I haven't got to do this with many of you yet, so uh, I haven't, uh, I generally really enjoy doing this on a wedding and uh, in a wedding ceremony and stuff, and so this will be my first time to get to do this with you, and so I'm very excited about just highlighting the value and the importance of women, and so uh, from the very beginning, God created a woman as an image bearer, okay? True, God created the man first. And he did that because men are dumb enough that we need to know we need help, okay? Uh, no, we're not, we're not really that dumb. I'm not slamming all of us, but really. I mean, a lot of times we're, we're kind of stubborn in that we don't realize we need the help that we need. And so God gave this first man, Adam, time to figure that out. Uh, what? I'm alone. All the animals have a friend, have a partner. I'm by myself. Uh, this is getting a little overwhelming. Uh, you know, our one-track minds and trying to name all the animals and whoever, who knows what all else might have been going on back in the early accounts of Genesis, but the man realized very quickly, I'm alone and I need help. And God said, don't worry, I got this. I got you. This was my plan from the beginning. So you knew that you needed help. So uh, I didn't have to explain this to you. And so God created a woman out of his side. And it's not out of being inferior because the man was first and he used the ribs out of his side. Not his feet, not his head. She's not above him. She is not below him in any way, shape, form, or fashion. She's his equal, 
and an equal image bearer of God. You see, a man reflects certain attributes of God in his character and his design and his nature, and a woman also does. And there are aspects of God's nature and design and character that a woman portrays much better than a man can. And we could tell a lot of hilarious stories about what all those might be, but we don't have time to do that today. But this is all in Genesis 1, in Genesis 1.27. God especially highlights mothers throughout scriptures, and he references himself in this way. In Isaiah 49.15, he says, Can a woman forget her nursing child or lack compassion for the child of her womb? And he says, even if these forget, because it does happen, tragically and unfortunately sometimes, it does happen. But God says, even if a mom were to forget, he says, I will not forget you. I will not forget you. Just like a mom who is nursing a young one does not forget. Isaiah 66, 13 says, as a mother comforts her son or daughter, so I will comfort you. That tenderness, that love, there's just something about that if you've, and maybe you haven't got to have that experience necessarily from your biological mom, but maybe there's been another woman in your life that it just means so much when you hear a kind word from her, when she hugs you and you feel that. And that is what God does for us. He is saying, as a mother comforts, so I will comfort you. And you see, the enemy has come in and tried to steal, kill, and destroy. And we see that in Genesis 3, when the fall of man and sin. And you see, our culture and our time would even try to confuse this and say that this is not true today. There is, there is not an image-bearing man and there is not an image-bearing woman. Guys, we are image bearers of God. And those who are confused in this issue and think that this isn't true are also image bearers of God. And again, just to highlight and explain that we should respond graciously to them, lovingly to them. Not condescending, not condemning, judgmental or argumentative. In Genesis 2.18, we see the high value and the high worth of a mom, a, a woman, when it says that he created her to be Adam's helper. And everybody's like, oh, wait a minute, Matt. Helper, really? Well, let me explain this word to you, okay? The word helper is not a derogatory or subjective word like we might think of it in today's English language. We think of it as an assistant, as, you know, whatever, like, uh, they're a gopher for us on the job. They're, they bring us things in the kitchen when we're cooking or they do the dishes after we prepare the amazing meal. No. No. Helper in the original Hebrew language is this word helper that God uses here in Genesis 2.18 is the same word he gives himself in other places in scripture. In Psalms 115.11 it says, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Okay, so this word help or helper, it's not insignificant. It is significant. Okay, it is huge. He says, this is the same word I say about my role in your life in helping you 
So don't let anybody try to convince you otherwise that a woman is not significant, is not an image bearer, that a mother has not a huge important role in the life. And later on, and I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself here, but I, I can't help it. Paul even says in 1 Corinthians 11, and he talks about this, he talks about how a woman came from man in the very beginning, but ever since then, we all came from women. Ever since then. He said one time that happened in all of the rest of humanity, every single one of us were born through a woman. And I recognize and realize that there might be difficult memories and difficult relationships with moms. That not all of us have a comforting, loving memory of mom holding us or speaking life into us or raising us or teaching us or feeding us or caring for us in the way that God designed and meant for it to happen. There is something significant that your mom did do for you, though. You're sitting here. I'm standing here. And so irregardless of anything else that happened in life, there is that. Because unfortunately, we also live in a time and an age and a place and a culture where it's okay for a mom to say, eh, no thanks, and have an abortion. And so there is that that we can be thankful for, at minimum. And I'm sorry. I am sorry for that relationship not being what it should be. I'm sorry for the sin that has estranged that, that has caused that. And each one of us who may have experienced that in one form, fashion, or another. And God grieves over that with you. So backing myself back up here a little bit, in Genesis 3, when sin entered the world, Adam, he was passive in his leadership. He stood by. And instead of engaging the enemy, stepping up and stepping into his role, he stood passively by. And Eve also failed in her role to provide the encouragement and the wisdom and the help to say, no, Adam, this isn't right. We don't need to go down this path. And because of that, that is how sin entered the world. And so in light of that, our, our tendency as men is to be passive, to shirk on our responsibilities to lead as Christ leads, not, not to boss, not to dominate, not to domineer, but to lay down our lives for him, for our wives, for our children, for others in our community. Whereas a woman's tendency is to not want to submit to that leadership. And that is a struggle. And that word submit can get really dicey in today's world, in today's context and culture. But let me say this. Guys, if we are leading as Christ leads the church, that's a non-issue for our wives if they love the Lord. It's a non-issue. Because even we as guys want to follow a strong servant leader. It's in our nature. It's in our DNA. God created this way. We would follow him. We would submit to him. 
And so if we would lead well, this would not be a problem for our wives and following us. And so ladies, that is your job. Unless your husband is asking you to do things that are immoral or unbiblical. All right? And that's, that's to submit. And what your place in this is to trust him. Trust God that he will cover you. And pray for your husband. Pray for that guy in your life. And encourage him and help him because he needs it. <laughs> okay? I need it. I need it desperately. I am less than half of who I am without the prayers and support and encouragement of my wife in my life. But the good news, guys, the good news is since that time, God has been working to right the wrong of sin. That the gospel's plan of redemption and salvation is not only for each individual salvation, but also to right the wrong of the sin that placed women in a place of inferiority and to help bring them back up. And we see that through Christ in his life in the Gospels. We see that how there were women who followed him and served him and loved him and he acknowledged them in a, in a time and a day and age when, when men would walk by and hardly even give a woman a time of day. Christ would notice that a woman touched the edge of his robe and stop in the crowds of hundreds or thousands around him. And he stops and says, now somebody touched my robe. And to acknowledge her and to lift her up before others. When he would have a divine appointment at the edge of a well with a woman. One-on-one. -on -one. It wasn't about him being up in front of the crowds. He took time out to sit on the edge of a well. And to reach out and love on a woman who was hitting rock bottom. Acknowledging a woman who, who washed his feet with perfume and her hair in preparation for his burial later in life. Who, who were the first people who got to experience the resurrected Christ at the tomb. It wasn't dudes. It was women. And moms, and what a blessing and an honor how Christ in scriptures is trying to right that wrong of this sin. And like I said before, even Paul in his teaching, wanting to honor and remind men in the church that, hey, they have equal value. Different roles, equal value. So mothers and all women are image bearers of God and of high value and worth. And so let's, let's do a quick skim of the book of Ruth. And let's, let's look at the life of a woman who was the lowest of lows in her time, in her place, in her culture, in her society. A story is it's as beautiful and as romantic as it gets, ladies. If you haven't been excited about reading the Bible but you love love stories, read the book of Luth, Ruth. Excuse me. I should know that's my mom's name, right? I shouldn't mess that word up. Don't tell her. <laughs> but what better love story is there if you stop and think about it than the gospel? What better love story is there? And it's woven throughout this book. See if you can pick up on the themes and the pieces of it. 
in this book, we'll see Ruth be at this low place, but we'll see her exercising her God-given design and being a helper. And it wasn't a helper originally to, uh, to her husband. It was actually to her mother-in-law. We'll see that Ruth made simple every day the next right choice. I say simple because it was unhindered. That word simple means unmingled, sincere, unconstrained, undivided. So again, simple this morning does not mean easy. It's not the simple button you push on the old whatever commercial that was for whatever office place that was. It's, it's I'm going to do the next right thing. The path before me is clear and I'm going to step into it and proceed because it is the right choice. And I'm not going to be constrained and worry about the other things that are going on, the peripheral things. So zooming out to get a big picture in the context of Ruth, let's keep in focus, though, the lens of God's design and intent for moms and for women. So the book takes place and opens up around 1,300 years before Christ. 1,300 B.C. Long time ago. Israel... God's people did not have a king during this time. And it was a time and a season, if you read through the Old Testament, is a time when people did what they thought was right in their own eyes. They were doing their own thing. Sounds kind of familiar to today, doesn't it? They rejected God as their one true king. As their one true king. They were even had begun worshiping and following these false gods, these idols. Would, I mean, they're like, bound down to candles and things they make out of wood and stone. And, and we think that's ridiculous, and yet we do it a little bit to ourselves today. It just looks different. It looks like entertainment. It looks like a career. It looks like uh, money. It looks like status in society. Those are our false idols today. Back then, there was actual idols. There was a famine in the land. And while the book of Ruth doesn't say specifically... Uh, I believe that it was most likely attributed to the consequence of their sin and them choosing to not follow God in this. And so as the, as the story opens up in the first chapter, we, we are introduced to a couple of the characters, Elimelech and Naomi. And it's primarily about their, their family. And they chose to leave the promised land that God brought them to several books earlier. God brought his people there out of exile. And so this family is there, and they're like, well, there's a famine here uh, over in the land of the Moabites. It seems like, hey, things might be better there, so we're going to go that way. Well, that seems kind of reasonable. If things are tight and you're having a hard time finding a job and finding eating, that seems like the right thing to do in, a lot, in today's culture and time, but not in this time, because God specifically said, this is, land is for you, don't leave. So they left in search of better economic surroundings. Well, the first five verses of the book here, you see one tragedy striking this family after another. They get there, verse 3, Naomi's husband dies. It's like, that didn't take long. Verse 4, both sons marry Moabite women. It's like, well, okay, they found some wives over there, no big deal. In today's time and culture, it isn't a big deal. Then it was. Because these, the Moabites were known as a pagan people. Uh, I'm not going to go into their lineage, look it up. It's quite unbelievable, uh, their lineage. It's, it's more dramatic than any soap opera out there. 
uh, what their lineage is, what they're known for. They're known for being a people who follow false gods and false idols. And so God specifically said, don't intermingle, don't marry them because not because he was a God of rules and regulations, but because he was a God of saying, because they'll lead you astray. Our hearts are prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. And he's saying, so don't go over there because you will. But her sons did that. She had two sons. Married the Moabite women from the other side of the tracks, as you, if you will. Well, they lived there about 10 years, and then both of her sons died. It's worse than some country songs that we know and listen to, right? I mean, goodness. Famine, move, husband dies, sons marry the wrong women, they die. She's stuck in a foreign land with two foreigner daughter-in-laws. Nope. No more kids for her. Not even any grandkids. And see, in that time, in that culture, that was how you secured your, your, not prosperity and what we think of it today, but your ability to thrive and eat and be taken care of. You see, you have kids, and lots of them, and they have kids. And there comes to a point in time and place where the kids get older and bigger, and they take care of you because you've taken care of them. Sounds like a good deal to me. What do you think? <laughs> so... That's how that worked then. It's not like they had retirement accounts and stuff back then where the parents worked to save and take care of themselves and take care of the kids. Then it was the kids have a turn. There's a, there's a coming of age and a time and a place where those kids get older and in turn take care of their parents. And she didn't have that. She didn't have that. But she gets word that God's starting to provide again for his people back in Judah, back in Jerusalem. And, and he's starting to increase the harvest and and there's food again and so she's like hey maybe i should go back maybe i should go back so she begins to head back and her daughter-in-law start with her and naomi gets to the point where she's like hey you shouldn't come with me you should stay here you should be here with your people and and we can speculate on all the reasons why uh some of we could speculate in that hey i'm releasing you of your relationship with me your bondage to me so that you can go on and go back to your people or we could also speculate that Naomi's like I don't want to go back home and show up with foreigner daughter-in-laws and be ridiculed and embarrassed by how my family not only left and all my guys died now I'm coming back bringing in these foreign women with me we don't know Maybe Naomi thought there'd be a better chance of her finding another husband and being redeemed if there weren't so many mouths to feed. I don't know. There's a lot of things that we could speculate in here. And, and I say this to just, when we read the Bible, it's a story. These are real people in their lives and we should be curious about these things. Now, we shouldn't base my speculations on his truth by any means because it's not in scripture. But it brings these stories to life. And it reminds us that these are real people. And they had real thoughts and conversations and, and interacted with people along the way and they had the same feelings and the same temptations in a different context and culture and time that we have today. This is living and active. So the one daughter-in-law is like, okay, yeah, I'll go back. But Ruth replied in verses 16 and 17, 
She says, don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. and Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. What a vow. What a vow. She said, I am going to be your helper, essentially. I am committing and making a covenant with you to be there with you. And whatever that looks like, and even if it kills me in the process, I'm all in. She had no reason to do this. But there was something about Naomi's God working in Ruth's life that brought this change into her. You see, Ruth's significant through simpleness choice number one was that she was humble, not entitled. She had an easy out, but she stayed on embracing her new people. Your God will be my God. She stepped up and she stepped in to embrace her role as helper to Naomi, how God created her and designed her to be as a woman. So moms, ladies, what does that look like for you? As Jamie shared, it's not an easy thing many times and you feel like running. But stepping up and stepping in, are there places in your lives that entitlement and bitterness and things like that are creeping in and replacing humility? in this. For all of us here, how have we seen our moms do this? How have we seen those, our moms take those simple choices, those simple steps, not, not easy ones, hard ones, but simple. Even if it was just for a short time, even if it was just for a moment, even if it was to give birth to you, and that's all you can think of. But how can we show them honor and thank them for that? Men, wake up. We're still here, still talking to you too, and me. In what ways do we need to more fully step into our roles in leading as Christ did? Because see, if we are leading as Christ did, we're paving the way, we're clearing the path, we're taking out the brush and the weeds so that as they are with us, beside us, There's less clawing and tearing at them as they are stepping up and into their roles. How do we need to lead in humility, not in entitlement? When it says, wives should submit to your husband, how dare us if we use that to get what we want? How dare us? You are taking scripture and contorting it to your own selfish desires, if you're throwing that out. So Ruth went with Naomi to Jerusalem. The women in town were excited that Naomi came back. I mean, you can just kind of see it pictured in your mind. They're all excited and, oh my goodness, you're back. Holy cow, is this really Naomi? So good to see you. I can't do that with my voice. I'm trying. So good to see you. 
blah, 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 blah. I'm just, I'm in a house full of boys. Somebody help me out here. <laughs> when I watch my wife with all her sisters, it's like this. And I'm just like, I don't know what's, I got to get out of the way. <laughs> but she responds and she says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. And they're like, what? Naomi means, the name Naomi meant pleasant. And the name Mara meant bitter. And she said, no. I am not pleasant Naomi anymore. I am now bitter. And she even throws a stab at God and said, God has made me bitter because of what's happened. Two single women going into town, even where they're unknown, showing up, a myriad of emotions. Ruth is the outsider, the foreigner, just who knows what it's like for her walking in. Ladies, maybe you know, walking into a completely new foreign place Ladies, I know, have to go through a whole different set of emotions and, and things and being evaluated. And I, I know ladies dress for other ladies. And so it's like, well, she got on. Oh, my gosh. Is that how they dress in Moab? You know, doing all that stuff. Look at her sandals. Who knows? Who knows what all? You can tell I'm really trying here, can't you? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> That's my heart. <laughs> In verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, Ruth the Moabitess, so even Scripture is not letting us forget who she is and where she came from, asked Naomi, will you let me go into the fields and gather fallen grain behind someone with whom I find favor? Naomi answered her, go ahead, my daughter. This is how I'm going to help. I'm going to go get food so we can eat. I'm going to do the next right thing. Regardless of what this looks like. Ruth, choice number two, significance through simpleness. Gracious and thankful, not resentful and bitter. She asked Naomi's permission. She didn't just go do it. That way she wasn't just like, I can't believe her. I'm just going to go do this so we can eat. She's just going to sit over there and be bitter. No, she still asked her in humility. Hey, could I go do this for us? As we read on, Ruth is noticed by the owner of that field. As my boys would say, row, row. <laughs> Boaz, he heard of her helping Naomi and the kind work that this foreigner was doing that she didn't have to do. And he offered for her to gather in more favorable places. She could have said, hey, you're rich. You can just give us food. We're like single women here. Uh, Naomi's a single mom who lost her sons and her husbands. You could just give us the food and then we wouldn't have to come gather it. No. Verse 10, she fell face down, bowed to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor with you so that you notice me, although I am a foreigner? And then in verse 13, she even places herself lower than his slaves. She was gracious and thankful. Are there places in our lives that we can be more gracious and thankful instead of entitled? I'm a pretty good Christian mom. I'm trying my best. I'm, I'm doing these things. I know a lot of other people who aren't. We're doing the comparison game. And we start feeling like we deserve more. 
Here's the thing. We deserve death. But Christ came to save us. So whatever we think we deserve here on earth is bonus if we get it beyond salvation. It's bonus. How much more thankful should we be for it then? I'm a fellow struggler in this, guys. Guys, we're not exempt from this. We talked about this yesterday morning a little bit. Working the 8, 10, 12-hour shift and then coming home and thinking we deserve some TV time or some veg out time when the reality is we need to be putting on our A game on the drive home if we've got kids in the house and ready to engage and love on them and play with them and teach them and lead them. Ready to engage with our wives in a loving and caring way. And I blew it last night. I was gone all day, had lots of stuff going on, and I did not put on my A-game when I walked in the house last night. And I had to confess that to my wife last night. So, guys, where are we at in this? Ruth's third choice that we're going to look at this morning, her third significant yet simple choice is that she was obedient and courageous, not rebellious and fearful. See, Naomi started getting wind that Boaz could be a possible future husband for Ruth. And so we see Ruth kind of come out of her shell, or I'm sorry, Naomi come out of her shell, and and Mara, she's calling herself, um, and start thinking beyond herself a little bit here and say, hey, I know how you can win this guy over. I got a plan. You just listen to old mother-in-law here. I'll get you hooked up. I'll take care of you. And Ruth could have been like, mom, mom, mother-in-law, whatever she called her, I don't know. Really? Are you kidding me? You are so out of date. You are so old school. No, she didn't. She listened and she followed. And I'm going to let you guys read that on your own time. It's the beginning of chapter 3. Um, there's some really neat significance in what took place and what Ruth did in that. Research that. There's a little scandal, a little intrigue, a little beauty, but it's all appropriate. Rated G. It's okay. But see, in that, Ruth's choice, she was obedient and courageous, not rebellious and fearful in it. It took some guts for Ruth to do what she did. She was the lowest of low, a foreigner, And just there, helping Naomi. She probably had some self-esteem issues, I'm guessing. A little down on herself from where she came from and what she did and what am I doing here and I'm lower than the slaves. I'm out picking grain. Who knows what the women in town are saying about her. But she just continued to do the next right thing. And even following Naomi's advice. And Boaz did redeem her. He did end up marrying her. See, Ruth's simple choices during her everyday life had significant impact. This is a nobody that is 
named in the Word of God and a whole book dedicated to her. And she is celebrated, and her choices are celebrated even in Jewish tradition today, every year. They were not easy for her to follow through with them. But because she was humble and not entitled, but because she was gracious and thankful, not resentful and bitter, because she was obedient and courageous, not rebellious and fearful, it provided food for her and Naomi in a time when women in this situation would have not been able to eat. It eventually provided a new husband, a God-fearing husband. We see elements of Boaz's character and his faithfulness throughout the book. Eventually children. And through her significant simple choices, she's even drawing Naomi out of her shell and out of her bitterness and out of wherever she was at in her world and out of her depression. Lovingly, graciously, humbly, to the point where Naomi gets to be the nanny for her new grandbabies of whom she'd never had up to this point. The lowest of low, Ruth was, to blessed and highly favored. An alien getting to be in the lineage of David and eventually Jesus. You see, Ruth was King David's great-grandmother. And there was no higher honor in this time, in this place, than to be in that lineage, in that time, in that place. And there's some proud mamas in here this morning with their seniors graduating. And to think about the next phase in life as they get older and maybe get married, maybe have kids, maybe have a career, and they do courageous and great things. And how proud as parents we can be of that. Did you guys catch the gospel thread through this book, through this story, our quick peruse through it? God using the sin of this family, Naomi and her husband, even though they chose to leave the promised land, and he took it and made it work to his own good and purpose. And he even said, I'm going to invite and ordain and redeem a woman who had never had a shot, never have a chance to be in the lineage of David, Jesus Christ, and bring her in through this sin. And use that and redeem her and restore this and bring her in. Using Boaz to redeem her and Naomi. Do you, do you guys see this? Do you feel this? Each one of us are sinners. Each one of us have gone astray. And God will use that, our hard testimonies, those rough places, and pursue us and turn it around and redeem us and invite us into his lineage, into being his sons, his daughters, restored and redeemed. He didn't wait around for us to try to start making good choices. No. He stepped up, stepped into his role, submitting to God's will, going to the cross for our sin, and dying for us there. And 
and our only part, the next simple choice. Not easy, but it's simple. Surrender to him and follow him. So moms, women, men, kids, all of us in the room. And when I, let, me, let me clarify this. I've gone to a couple of you individually. When I'm saying moms this morning, maybe you're not a mom, technically, biologically. But you are in other ways. Okay, don't let that escape you. Because if you are mentoring another young lady, a young man, if you are loving on them in any way, shape, form, or fashion, if it's in a classroom, if it's in your neighborhood, if it's a niece, if it's a nephew, you're a mom. Okay? So this, doesn't, this day applies to you. Even Dallas. Where'd she go? <laughs> Even if it's puppy dogs. Kind of puppy dogs. Definitely with your high school girls. Guys, who knows what kingdoms may topple of the enemies when we make that next right simple choice. So moms, when you've changed the billionth diaper, the millionth load of laundry, you've cooked the thousandth meal, you got the kids ready for school and sent them off and then you went to work yourself, how many late night watches with a kid who had a bad dream were sick? How many gallons of vomit have you cleaned up? <laughs> you are toppling kingdoms by doing the next right loving thing. And thank you. Thank you for that. It is huge. It matters. It is significant, even if nobody else sees it. God does, and he does not forget them. And so someday, when it's not so intense at the house, and you're sitting around wondering where all the years went, it went into diapers and training and teaching and dishes and all the other millions of things that you guys do. God remembers each one of them, even if you don't. And I'm here to say... I believe those will be jewels in your crowns. I believe it wholeheartedly. When I watch what the mother of my kids does on a daily basis and think about that, I couldn't touch that. This is a woman who does the next right simple thing. That's hard, but she does it. She gets up every day and she has a great attitude. And I know it's the Lord working in and through her. So as we wind down our time and think through how can we encourage and bless and honor our moms or the memories of our moms if they're not with us here anymore. Let's remember this about God and his love for his people. Psalm 147.11 says, but he takes pleasure and those who fear him. Did you hear that? 
He takes pleasure in you. I think we get too caught up so many times in a performance-driven society thinking that he's always negative and down on us because we're not perfect. When he looks at us, if we've accepted Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, he sees the perfect blood of his Son having cleansed us. And he finds pleasure in us. Rest in that. Soak that up today. Especially you moms. So let me pray for us. And while I'm doing that, could I have the ladies in the room stand up? I would just like for you to stand up. If it's uncomfortable too, I'm not going to make you. If you are a young lady or a lady, please stand up. Yes. So girls, don't worry about thinking that I'm not old enough. I would just like to bless you and say a prayer over you. Lord Jesus, this morning, we pause and reflect and take time to glorify you through your creation of women and mothers, and we thank you and praise you for that. And Lord, on behalf of myself and the other men, Lord, I confess that we can all do better in cherishing and honoring them. Forgive us where we have failed in this, God. So Lord, I ask that your face would shine upon these ladies. That you would bless them. That what they do for your namesake and for your glory would have abundant return. Thank you for moms, Lord. That each woman in here and those who aren't able to be here would feel your favor today, Lord Jesus. And God, if there is a mom or even a man here today, Lord, that doesn't know you, that needs desperately to feel your embrace, your love, your favor in their life, Lord, that they would stop delaying, but that they would, they would reach out to you, God, they would quit stiff-arming you and let you come in and be there for them. Thank you, Lord. You're not done working on us yet. And we can trust you as you are our good, good Father to continue that work. In your name, amen.